You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. We are finally back after a couple weeks off. Much needed break for us. About, I think it was three weeks to the day when this episode drops. We're coming to you guys. So we've had a little bit of time to just kind of decompress a little bit. Um, Bryson, how are we doing tonight? I'm good. It feels good to be back. But, uh, you know, uh, we're going to progress through this offseason I think slowly uh, take our time with some of the content that's coming out and really kind of give everyone an episode uh, each, however many weeks we decide to do it. Um, that is full of content, but also, uh, you know, uh, doesn't cover everything in a short period of time in one episode. So I'm excited to be back and, and, and be sharing content, but just know we are going to try our best to keep you as informed in a good amount of time frame uh, as we can. Yeah, we don't want to give you all the goods at once. That's pretty much what he's saying. Yeah. Um, but I want to just show up. We'll be talking about Cam later. I thought it was fitting to wear this shirt today. Um, well, while you're showing off, I'll show off too. I am wearing Panthers culture. Uh, he was nice enough. Uh, one of our one of our good friends, um, he was nice enough to hook me up with a shirt. Um, told him I would shout him out on the podcast, man. I We, we both really love that dude. He is an awesome guy. Um, and, you know, all of our fans know him as well, so – uh, go check his store out, man. He has some of the best. I think his original Panthers culture logo is the best original logo on Twitter. Um, I, I love that logo. So he's got shirts with that, and then he hand drew this one. Um, so uh, go check him out, man. He is, again, one of the most genuine guys uh, on the app and really cares about the Panthers and really puts out some good stuff. Yeah, I was looking at one, that picture when you shared it uh, of the shirt. Is that on the crown? Is that all the area codes in the Carolinas? Is that? I don't think so. I think it's because I saw I, like seven oh four in there. I saw a couple. I don't know, and I don't know if it's just kind of the major cities. But I saw, I saw some of that, and I'm like, damn. But yeah, he does. I mean, I think people really don't realize that he's a pretty good artist too. Yeah, um, and I don't think he shows it off enough as he should. But yeah, go check him out. Panthers culture, JJ. We love him. And we'll get him on here as we get closer to free agency and the draft. Um, I also got to shout out this hat. I was talking about Bryce <laughs> about this. I'm a Brewers fan. Spring training is going on right now with baseball. Um, this is the similar hat. If you got the Panthers one, that's like the white and it's got like Carolina small. And I think Panthers is big on it. Mm -hmm. I think it's like almost like a meshy like type material. Really comfortable, forty-seven brand. They put out they—they're my favorite hat company. I think agreed out of all of them um, because they just put out some really cool um, things over the course of you know in season during in the off season. But let's get to it. Enough about everything else. Let's get to the Panthers here, and we're going to start with the combine stuff. Start with the you know most up to date things right now, and that was you know Morgan and Canales both talking at the combine um they touched on a variety of things from brian burns that was the first question out of the gate 
from Joe Person as expected. Um, and I guess we'll just start with that. I was going to wait a little bit, but we might as well just get into it about Brian Burns. Dan Morgan made it pretty clear that all options are on the table with him. I think that was the exact quote from Dan Morgan at the Combine. So it sounds like, you know, they could go the franchise tag route. They're speaking to his agent this week at the Combine. So uh, they might try to get an extension done. I know Morgan talked about knowing Brian or playing with Brian Burns' brother. He mentioned that in his answer and knowing him and knowing that, you know, he, um, I think he, I don't know if he said word for word, if this, like he embodies what a Panther is, but, uh, they would like to have him back and, uh, try to, you know, get a long-term deal done. Um, he said, you know, they're, they're open and willing to use the franchise tag. And then kind of later on, Bryson, I don't know if you saw this, which I thought was kind of interesting. And, you know, Dan, Dan Morgan actually mentioned this specifically was in his interview with another outlet after he actually did the, the full on press conference was he mentioned trade as an option, uh, like a tag and trade type thing. And so that's also out there. Um, so just what, what are your thoughts about the Brian Burns stuff? We even, we didn't have really much, we haven't, you know, but we've been off for a little while. We haven't talked about, you know, what he's been asking too. So like whole overarching thoughts on the Brian Burns situation as this thing starts to play out. Cause we're coming up franchise take, I think it's March 5th. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's March 5th. I can't remember what the exact date is on the take, but thoughts on Burns. Yeah, so just to mention real quickly the uh, report that you that you briefly went over um, in regards to what he's asking. I think the report stated that the Panthers offered him a four-year deal at $27 million a season. Five-year. Uh, Five-year deal at $27 million a season, which is, in my opinion, an outstanding offer for Brian Burns. Uh, and I think the report stated that he wanted more in the range of closer to $30 million, uh, per season. Uh, we, I don't think we know the guaranteed uh, money part of that aspect of the contract, but uh, I do think in terms of uh, length and year uh, average per year, that contract was more than a fair offer for Brian Burns. Um, in regards to what happened at the uh, combine with Morgan's comments, I think the only thing in this situation that's unacceptable is allowing Brian Burns to walk and the Carolina Panthers not getting anything in return. So, a uh, franchise tag is acceptable, in my opinion. A uh, tag and trade is acceptable. A long-term extension is acceptable. So I'm happy that all those options are on the table. Um, again, I don't think a $30 million average per year contract is what his play has warranted throughout his career. Um, I do understand that he doesn't have a lot of help on the defensive line. He has been the best defensive end on the team, the ed best edge player, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call him. Um, I don't think he's the best defensive lineman. I think that's Derek Brown. But I, I do think Brian Burns is an essential player to the Carolina Panthers, obviously. He is very important to the future of this defense. Um, he is a, a leader in the locker room. Um, what he did last season, playing through all of the uncertainties that he did, he could have easily held out, and he didn't. He was a team player, and it it actually hurt him because his play wasn't at the same level of the previous year and it didn't improve. So 
I think that ultimately has hurt him, unfortunately. But I do think that the Carolina Panthers should prioritize resigning him. I just hope that it is a, a contract that's fair on both ends uh, for the Carolina Panthers and for Brian Burns. And circling back, I think that $27 million a year contract is that, is that it's fair on both ends. I think that he's being compensated uh, sufficiently, and I think that the Carolina Panthers aren't necessarily overpaying for, for Brian Burns in that situation. So I think my number one option as a Panthers fan, in my opinion, would be a long-term, long-term contract for Brian Burns, and I think that that's the same route that you would go as well. Um, I think you're more comfortable paying him a little bit more than I am, but uh, I think if they can't get a long-term contract done, I think the next option is attack and trade and, and getting assets to either get more picks in the draft this year or surround Bryce Young with other veteran players that you might trade for, um, you know, getting whatever you can to help Bryce continue to take steps forward as your franchise quarterback, uh, protect him, get him weapons or whatever that may be. Um, so that's probably my second option. But again, I think getting him signed long-term should be the priority. And I think that a contract that's fair on both ends is obviously the, uh, the goal here. And, I think if he were to be offered the five-year, $27 million contract again, I don't know the circumstances of that. I think that that is the offer, um, in my opinion, that I would be comfortable with, and I hope that he would sign that. Yeah, and I just want to clarify something because I don't want to misquote Dan Morgan from what I said earlier, but this was the exact quote he said at the Combine. We would definitely use it if we had to use it. And, you know, we love Ryan. He's talking about the franchise take. Brian's a Panther, somebody that I know that I'm close to. I played with his brother, so I'm def- I definitely love Brian, but, but all options are on the table for him. After like reading that and seeing that now, you know, out on paper in writing, it almost seems like it was kind of a, you know, you send out the pigeon of, hey, we love you. We want you here, but we want you here at the right price. And if you're not willing to come to that, all options are on the table. That's after like seeing that now and just seeing it on paper. I think, I think maybe that's what he's trying to get at, um, and kind of pull at the ties of his family, sort of thing. I'm not sure, but I've been pretty clear on where I stand on Brian Burns. I think it's foolish if they would get rid of him. I think they got to do what they can to figure out a long term deal with him. If it is the franchise tag, I think they can still stomach that this season if nothing gets done because of the higher cap number that was that have that came out. I think it's around Carolina's going to have around forty million available. the uh, The franchise tag would come directly from that if I'm understanding cap right. So that'd be twenty four mil off the books right away because he's considered uh, an outside linebacker, which it's kind of. I mean, I don't know why Carolina would put him at the outside linebacker um, position for that reason because they'd save a couple million. But anyway, um, I think Carolina has time and time again gotten rid of really good players. Um, Christian McCaffrey didn't get enough compensation for him for, the, for in that trade. Panthers clearly lost that trade when you look at back at it in the grand scheme of things. Uh, DJ Moore was a would have been a really good piece for Bryce Young. And looking back at it, if they couldn't get a deal one done with Brian Burns, he probably should have been the one involved in that trade, um, which could have, you know, maybe changed the trajectory a little bit of how the offense played last year. Um, but yeah, I'm total pay Brian Burns, figure out a deal. 
I do agree with you. I think 27 mil is a pretty good deal for him. I, we don't know the structure of the contract at all. We just know the number. And Joe Person was the one that uh, reported that. I want to give him his flowers for that with, with The Athletic. If you do not have a subscription, go get it. That's a free promotion for him. He didn't pay me to say that, but he's his reports are really good. So um, I agree. I think the five-year 27 mil is a pretty good number for him, but I don't knock him whatsoever for asking for more because whoever put out that report a couple years ago with the Rams really helped Brian Burns out, and that's – contract is worth more than the 20s or that trade is worth more than 27 million and i'm sure that's what their sticking point is so yeah there's going to be some finagling to be done but i think they need to get a deal done because if you trade brian burns you have no pass rush whatsoever and you're creating another hole and i get it it's on defense um but then you you literally have no one rushing the passer. So you, instead of having – you need to find one pass rusher, you're going to have to find two now. So I think that's a massive hole for them. And I get it. I think the offense needs help, but I think there's things you can do to get that all at once. Um, you're not going to be able to fix everything, but I think you can I think you can get weapons to supplement the offense and get things going for Bryce Young and the new head coach. Um so I'm not for, I don't like the trade. I don't want to trade Brian Burns. I want him here. Lock him in. Find a way to get it done. You hired Brant Tillis. He's supposed to be this cap genius. He needs to figure out a way to get a sizable contract done that's going to satisfy Burns and it's going to be smart for the Panthers for the future and lock this guy in because you cannot create another hole like that for this team. And Carolina, I think it was this was Josh Klein the riot report loved what he said. Carolina has hit on three first round picks, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Brian Burns. And they could trade all, they could trade all three of those guys away. And I don't, I don't know if a team has done that. Like that's insane. That is fucking insane to really think about when you just <laughs> sit down and just think about that. That's, I, I, do you know it? I don't know a team that has done that. I don't. Maybe it hasn't happened, but that is crazy to me. So, Carolina, figure it out, get the shit done, and let's move forward. Um, let's talk about another guy because you mentioned him, Derek Brown. I thought that was, I didn't think Morgan was going to go there, but he got asked it. So, I think he was kind of, his hand was forced, but. It sounds like there has been preliminary talks, which I think is smart on their part, with talking with Derek Brown's agent about a long-term deal because a lot of people could argue Derek Brown should hold out now. He's had his best season ever. He just broke a record for defensive tackles with the most tackles ever in NFL history. Made the Pro Bowl. Um should have been all pro. I don't know. I don't think he made all pro this year. Should have been all pro. He did. Got, he got snubbed in the Pro Bowl. Wasn't even the first team. He was the second team and still made it in because he was the alter, first alternate. But if I'm him, I'm holding out because you 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 see what happened with Brian Burns. He got screwed, and you know he played Mister Nice Guy last year and got screwed on it. So if I'm Derek Brown, I have no qualms about him holding out. Like get that guy along he need they need to lock both those guys down this year and then you throw the other wrinkle in it with Frankie Louvu 
which is another guy it sounds like they're trying to get extended as well. So defensive guys, just Brown, Luvu. I know your thoughts on Brown. You obviously really like him too, but what's you like the idea that they're trying to get ahead of this a little bit, and then also your thoughts on Luvu and extending him before free agency opens up. Yeah, I do. I, I had the same sentiment as you uh, in regards to if Derek Brown holds out, then I completely understand. You know, like you mentioned, you see what has happened with Brian Burns in this situation. Uh, he plays right across from you, uh, and Brian Burns is another elite, great player. And uh, and you've seen what's happened with that contract situation. So I think getting out ahead of that and uh, being able to get him extended and avoiding a potential holdout should be a priority for this um, for this team because I think Derek Brown is probably the best player on the team right now um, and at any position. So he should be your priority, and I think that the uh, preliminary talks that they're having is definitely something that's positive. Um, and he should be a priority moving forward. With Luvu, I uh, I do like Frankie Luvu a lot. Um, he is one, he was one of my favorite Panthers uh, throughout the past couple of seasons. Um, I think re-signing him at the right price is what's important. Uh, you know, I think you have Shaq Thompson coming back. You know, drafting rookie linebackers, free agency as well. Um, Luvu's production this year was good. Uh, I don't know if it would be impossible to replace, but he does bring a, uh, a tenacity. I think uh, even Dan Morgan said that he has that dog man mentality that they're looking for um, on that defense. But I think that your priority should be Derek Brown and Brian Burns with Luvu playing kind of that third uh, third option there moving forward. So you prioritize those two. And then if you can sign re-sign uh, re Frankie Luvu, then you do that. But if you can't, um, and you were able to sign the other two guys instead, then I think that's a, a good concession. So, uh, again, I do love Frankie Luvu. I think he's an electric linebacker that brings so much energy and um, passion to that defense. But I think that there are other ways to fill that void than easier ways, uh, which it wouldn't be easy, but it would be easier than filling the void of Derek Brown or Brian Burns. Yeah, I think Burns, Brown are priorities, like you said. If they can figure out a way to get all three, I think it'd be great because you really you – know, I mean, your other starting linebacker is coming off of a, a serious injury last year and he's not getting any younger in Shaq Thompson. I mean, you did have Grugier Hill step up last year, um, but I don't know if he's capable of doing it at a whole season – I mean, I get it. He did. I guess he did. But I think you, there would still be a pretty big hole with the linebacking core if you lost Frankie and then Shaq's coming off of an injury too. Yeah. Not saying Grugier Hill can't you know, step up. I just think I'd rather have someone else in there and him coming in more of a rotational role and then on special teams. But, yeah, I think – you can find a way to get those three you know locked in it'd be great i don't know if that's you know you're capable of doing that and then, you know maybe they push out brown into the summer i don't know what, what kind of see and wait because they might do some post june 1st cuts which could save them money long term it won't help them right now but it might it might help with a uh, brown contract um Let's kind of flip to the offensive side a little bit of what you know Morgan and Canales talked about. And let's start out. Let's start with Bryce Young right away. Um, David Newton asked the question: What are you going to do to fix Bryce Young? 
he used fix. That was the key. And Canales basically said, I ain't here to fix Bryce Young, which I loved. I loved that answer. Um, and basically said he's going to put forth a plan, you know, for Bryce with, you know, the QB coach and Brad Idzik and, um, you know, find an offense to mold around Bryce Young. And it sounds like they want, you know, quick game. It, the ball's going to come out fast. I think they said under like two – 2.7 yeah 2.7 seconds um they're gonna rely heavily on the run game so bryson get ready when the run is getting stuffed don't be getting pissed because it sounds like analysis is gonna be stubborn as hell with the run game um and feed off of it with play action i'd like to hear bootleg more because you didn't hear much of that with frank Reich, and you didn't see much of that i think that will help bryce young heavily um, but just your thoughts on his plan for for Bryce Young and what this offense could look like. Yeah, I, I think in that same sentence where Canales was mentioning the 2.7 seconds, he did mention that uh, there would be bootlegs and that the time to get the ball out would obviously be a little bit longer. I think he was like 3.2 seconds or whatever um, in that situation. So he, he did mention in the same breath that um, there are ways to extend time in the pocket, whether that be – moving the pocket uh, with any movement toward, you know, for Bryce or uh, boots or anything like that play action. So um, I do like his plan. I think that he is very concrete in that and very, um, very confident in his ability to uh, improve this offense. And I, I like that, you know, you want somebody that has a plan that's sticking to it and believes in it. So that's good uh, in, in my opinion. Um I think the biggest issue for Bryce last season was the pressure that he faced and the wide receivers not getting open in time um, to not take sacks or not throw the ball away or not make a bad throw. And I think that that's something that they're prioritizing with uh, potential additions to the offensive line and getting people back healthy and um, things like that. So uh, I, lo I love Dave Canales' answer about not fixing Bryce Young because Bryce Young is is ready. He's everything that you need in the quarterback, and he is a franchise quarterback, and both of us wholeheartedly agree on that. And it's just surrounding him with the correct pieces uh, that are that have the ability to perform at a high level in the NFL, which he didn't have much of on that offense this this past season. And I think Canales and Dan Morgan have a a, a solid plan in place to address that and move move forward in a um, positive manner. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all on, I'm totally on board with Canales. I was since the day he was hired, and I think that he's only talked and shown um, consistency throughout his time that he's been here so far about his plan moving forward to uh, help that offense and not fix Bryce Young, but allow Bryce Young to operate at a higher level based off of the pieces around him. What were your thoughts on Iki Aquanu? I uh, this was more towards Dan Morgan. He he, it sounds like there are, I mean, it doesn't sound like he said they're not moving Nikki inside. So that idea of putting him at guard sounds like is not happening. And it almost seemed like they, they believe the coaches can get the best out of Nikki with this new regime. Uh, contrary to what happened, you know, under uh, the previous one with James Campen. So it sounds like, they think these coaches can get Icky back to where he was. I think obviously if they go to a a power run heavy team, I think that will obviously help Icky. Um, 
and it sounds like they want him to be a more aggressive, you know, in his pass pass protection early on, and that go you know goes hand in hand with the quick passing game. Um, but just your thoughts. It sounds like Icky's going to be the left tackle, but I think added on to that, you know, Dan Morgan made it clear that you know the offense line was not good enough last year. And I think his exact quote was, we've got to be better in that area and we're going to do everything in our power to make that happen. So he mentioned the competition. I got out of it. Icky's staying at left tackle. They'll probably keep Moat and restructure him to open up some money for free agency. And then I think they're going to probably spend heavily on the inside, either at center or the guards, to create competition for the guys that are there. you got two guards coming off injury that were starters last year in Christensen and um, – God, what's the other guy's name? Corbett. Yeah, Corbett. And then you got um, Bozeman in the middle. So that's what I came away from it as, is they're going to invest more within the interior offensive line to kind of help, you know, Icky Aquano and obviously Bryce Young out. Um, but just thoughts on the O-line and then Icky Aquano. Are you comfortable with him at left tackle? Because, I mean, the, the guy had an awful sophomore season, like terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say I'm comfortable, but I would say that I understand their reasoning behind uh, keeping him there and giving him another year. So it's, it's, it's his third season this year coming up. Um, we all know what happened last year. There wasn't really one player on this team besides, I guess you could say, Derek Brown that performed well, um, performed above expectations, I guess you could say. And I think that they're probably attributing that to – the coaching staff that was here uh, prior and want to give him an, another chance at left tackle. He was a, a what, he was a six pick overall just a couple of years ago. And uh, just moving on from him after two seasons, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. So I understand he had a terrible year. Trust me. I was on his ass on Twitter all year. And, uh, <laughs> but I understand the reasoning behind giving him a chance with this coaching staff and seeing if he can develop into that franchise left tackle that they were hoping that he was when they when they drafted him. I think it's important to have a backup plan just in case you get into next season and you're five, six games in and you're seeing the same thing from Mikwanu that played him last last season. So whether that be Christensen moving to left tackle or then bringing in another piece to be that backup left tackle who has some experience or upside at that position, I think is important um, to – have that but but I, I understand where they're coming from and I think I agree really uh give him another chance and I think year three is a make or break yeah most definitely I'm scared I'm, scared <laughs> about it. I'm in and, danger <laughs> you know Bryce, Bryce Young cannot deal with what he dealt with last year like hey, that cannot happen again 62 sacks I think I saw today it was like he his sack he, sack yards loss was like 430 like this most in the NFL, obviously, just awful. Um, so that scares me. I, I, I think, I mean, I'm hoping that they obviously bring in competition, no matter if he's left tackle or not, whether that's through the draft or free agency. I don't think you're going to, I don't think there's a lot of premier offensive tackles available in free agency. I haven't looked specifically at that position group list, but it is really hard to find an offensive tackle a lot of the times. Um, both in the draft and free agency, unless you're picking in the first round. I mean, you're uh, you're, you're going to hit every once in a while, like the Chiefs with Smith in the sixth round and stuff like that. But you gotta, 
and this team, and we should expect that you got to, you know, draft players and develop them and they should be able to find some diamonds in the rough too. Cause that hasn't happened in a long time under the previous regime. So that you would hope, but I hope they do bring in competition. I hope they don't just settle because you can't settle with what they did last year. And you can't just bank off of, well, you know, under Steve Wilkes, Icky looked, or I mean, under Matt, uh, his first year, Icky Aquana's first year, he looked, you know, decent towards the end. I guess, yeah, that was when Matt Rule was fired. Um, and, you know, he looked good under Steve Wilkes. And I think I, I thought I saw something the other day. He had, he didn't give up a sack for 10 games in a row his rookie year, which is, is pretty good. But I don't want the regime just banking off of we can get him back or i mean that he's going to go right back to that just because they're running the ball more because that makes me nervous i don't it's almost like us being comfortable hey the carolina is going to you know be better than seven wins last year and then look what they did so yeah. i don't think they can take any of that for granted um so bring in competition and i think they need obviously guard help you can't bank off of those corbin christensen you got to bring in guys and there's guys out there that have ties to you know Canales and Morgan in Seattle and with the Bucks that I think they can bring in some of these guys in free agency to kind of bolster the depth there in case something happens worst case scenario like last year I mean they were what they had eight different guard combinations this past season like insane ridiculous numbers so that is a priority you need to you need to build a wall around Bryce Young it's that simple figure it out it needs to happen so I mean, we haven't even talked about Bozeman. I think that's another position. Um, if something comes available, you know, he either he's a backup or, you know, they 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 find someone to compete with him in training camp because he's another one that just didn't fit what, what the offense was doing last year. And it doesn't sound like it. I don't know if you saw the quote from Canales. He's like, it was it was hard to get emotionally invested with the Panthers for the first three games of the season. It's like, yeah. this guy knows our pain. I mean, that shit, it was hard to watch. It really was. It was painful because Frank Wright was so stubborn in his offensive play con. It was like, yeah, we're going to bring out three wide receivers and it's going to be the same three wide receivers every fucking play. And, and we're going to hope they beat their guy. And it just never happened. Yeah. <laughs> it just never happened. Like, so that's good. I think that Canales is recognizing that. Um, but again, it's got got to see it on Sundays. We got to see this shit. But f folks, be ready. Just just prepare yourselves now. Carolina, when the run game isn't gonna isn't working, they're still gonna run the damn ball, and people are gonna bitch about it. I can already see it coming. But I'm just warning you now. It sounds like they are gonna stick to the run, build off it with play action, and obviously they'll alter. If it's like just dead on the water, not working, you know, 15, 20 times a game. But like people need to chill out about that because it's going to happen and you got to have some patience with this. Um, but your boy Chuba, he's getting, um, I was shocked. I was actually shocked Morgan came out and said this because he didn't say this really about anyone else. And I don't even remember what the question that was asked. I, it might have been specifically about the run game and Miles Sanders. Total 100% stamp of approval. Hubbard is the day one starter, like out of the gate. Yeah, I think that he earned that uh, after his season last year in the 
progression that he's shown in throughout his career. I mean, I think Chuba was the obvious best running back on the team. He was probably one of the best offensive players on the team last year. And I think that he's only going to continue to get better uh, with the more games and repetitions under his belt. So I, I, I think that that was pretty obvious, but I mean, it is a little surprising to hear uh, your GM come out and say that, you know, in like a couple of weeks into the off season. But, but again, I think Chuba earned it and, it sounds like Miles Sanders might play more of a third down, you know, situational back, which might be better for him at this point in his career. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I would like for them to add uh, a more of a bruising back, a uh, short yardage back. Uh, I think Chuba does good in that. Those situations. Braylon Allen. Yeah, I saw that picture, by the way. Um, <laughs> dude looks crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Chuba did good in those situations, but I think that adding another piece could only bolster that running back room. And maybe it is Braylon Allen late in the, late in the, in the draft or uh, uh, under the radar running back that, you know, has that build that can serve that role for this team. All right. Any other things that you pulled away? Um, I did. Oh, I did want to mention this quick. This is going back to the defense. Uh, Morgan was asked about the defensive back room can't remember the exact wording of the question, but he someone mentioned, uh, I think it was J.C. Horn, or they asked about the DB room and what his thoughts were on that because there was a lot of turnover there last year with just injuries and stuff like that. And he mentioned J.C. Horn by name. He mentioned Dante Jackson, and I can't remember the third guy, Morgan did. And he said, we're still working through things, which I know I've seen – in just reading articles over the past couple of weeks that people have mentioned Jackson or as our friend JJ Hardy calls him number 26 um, is a potential cut for cap savings this off season. I don't mind bringing him back if he would restructure and figuring out to get him under. Cause it looks like with JC Horn's fifth year option, he's going to be cheaper. JC Horn would be cheaper than Dante Jackson, which shouldn't be. Um, I mean, it's great for the JC Horn contract, but I think there's got to be a way where Carolina can figure out a way to get that cap number down because um, I think it's at like 12 or more. I think it's like 12 and a half or something like that or 13 yeah. a, a year or for this upcoming season. So that was just something of note because I know people have talked about Dante as maybe a cap casualty. I thought he had, I mean, I, I think he had his best season last year and obviously played, I think, 16 games, was it? 16 or 17 games. I mean, he played, mo I think, full the full season, which he hasn't since coming into the league. So I think that they can get that and stick, like, keep that. Um, I think it's beneficial to keep him around at a lower cap number if that's possible. I'm just not the guru to figure that out, but hey, we got Brent Tillis, so he should be able to do it. That's that's what I just defer to every time now. It's like we got Tillis; he needs to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's your job. <laughs> so, um, well, let's talk about some other things here. We had the combine, obviously. Their interviews, the combine's happening uh, throughout this entire week into the weekend. Uh, well, let's talk about this report that came out today. This was the NFLPA report card. And Carolina, 
based off of everything they received was um, they were 17th in the league. So they're right in the middle on just if you balance all their average. So I'm going to pull up this chart here that I'm going to share my screen with you so we can see this because I just want to get your thoughts on it. I thought it was interesting. All right. So I'll get rid of that. Okay. So here we go. This is how they ranked the, you see each category. I, I'm not going to go down the list, but th those are all the categories they did. And then you see the grade that they received. And then that's their rank out of all the teams that they received. Um, Bryson shocked Tepper did not get a lower grade. I <laughs> yeah. Remember. I mean, you see other owners across the league, like the chiefs owner got an F minus, like it, that's just, I don't understand the, uh, Ranking scale, I guess. Uh, I don't know how it gets worse than David Tepper, but um, but yeah, I, I'm shocked that he's not 32nd uh, in, in the rankings out of 32 after everything that we know about him and the way that he operates. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say about that besides um, maybe this is a, a little flawed. But, uh, but yeah, I think another thing that stands out to me Strength coaches, obviously, at fourth. That's really good. And then the training staff at third. Uh, and, and to know, and just so folks know that haven't – because I kind of dove into this um, while at work today, just like kind of looking and reading everything. So these are – like the head coach is based off of last year's regime. So they actually – Frank Wright got an A- minus from, from the players that whoever did this study. Um, and it sounded like players, you know, thought Frank listened to them and I forgot what the other reasoning was. Um, and then for Tepper, where he took his hit was everyone on the Panthers preferred grass. And you, we all know Tepper went against that and got turf a couple of years ago. Shaq Thompson's been outspoken about that. A lot of fans have too, as well, us both included, um, but that was probably the biggest knock. And I, I was I was talking to my wife about this today. I mentioned the Chiefs to her. I'm like, can you I, – like, I couldn't believe it was the Chiefs either for the, their ownership. But it sounds like they weigh heavily on the facilities um, because it sounds like the Chiefs have pretty old facilities and haven't really upgraded them. And then for, for a team to bring that many championships to an owner, he's definitely reaping the benefits, making a ton of money. He should be able to invest in new facilities. I think players obviously take, you know, that's important to them because they want to have the best of the best when they're training and stuff like that. But yeah, it looks like Carolina improved. I think food and cafeteria was something they do this every year. And they, they were like a C I think last year in food and nutrition and stuff like that. So that's boosted. Um, up. It sounds like they ended up getting a new head chef. I was I was reading some of the stuff uh, for their reasoning for each of the categories. So that was good. Yeah, I wish I was actually shocked by the training staff and the strength coaches. Like they're yeah. really high up. I didn't expect that, uh, which is good. Um, but really, none of this matters because you know the Chiefs literally have F as ownership, and they've won like three Super Bowls in the last four years or whatever it is. So yeah. <laughs> it's like. As long as you got a really good coach and a quarterback and a team to complement that, you you're gonna go places. Um, 
but yeah, I just, anything else from this? Nothing? No, not really. I mean, I, I wonder how many of those strength coaches and, uh, you know, training coaches are still uh, around um, from the last regime. I don't think we've really seen a whole lot of updates in regards to that uh, because, you know, they did rank high. And I wonder if uh, Canales kept any of them around or any of them wanted to stick around. So that would be interesting to know. I don't know if you have any information on that, but. Um, yeah, that one, I don't know. I think they did keep one of one, of, one or two of the guys that were with Frank Reich's regime, like intact. And I can just check it here quick while. And I'll, uh, uh, while you're doing that, I think it's important to note also Frank Reich ranked high because he is a player's coach. I don't think anyone can deny that. Like he's had that reputation in the league for a long time and um, maybe at times too much of a player's coach and not controlling emotions in the locker room and not setting boundaries. And I think that's probably why he ranked higher on that scale than um, what we would think of, you know, obviously that production uh, didn't result to anything on the field in regards to being a player's coach um, and resulted in actually him losing his job in the first year. So not always uh, a positive thing to be rated high in, in the explanation being uh, players felt like he listened. So, Yeah, I'm not seeing – again, I don't know how – you know, what the title is for some of these guys, but I'm not seeing – oh, here we go, athletic training. And I honestly don't know what it was before, so I couldn't tell you. Um yeah, I mean, hopefully some of those people stuck around so because it sounds like they had a pretty good program in place yeah. for that. Um, we all know, I mean, the mishandling of Chris McCaffrey and J.C. Horn. Well, not really mishandling. J.C. Horn was more of just freak injuries. But definitely the workload of Chris McCaffrey had obviously played a role um, for what, what he dealt with here in Carolina. And you know, then you see him go off in San Fran and – never gets injured. So yeah. <laughs> that's just the way things go. Well, let's talk well, while we kind of were talking about David Tepper. Let's talk about this. And I got a bone to pick because I pay these damn tickets every year. And my dumbass, well, I'll preface it. I'll still be buying these tickets. No doubt about it. However, <laughs> however, Bryson, this is the asterisk, all caps. However, this is a slap in the fucking face. To all the Panthers fans, yeah. because you literally cannot get much worse than two and fifteen, besides one win or zero wins, and there is no reason why you're raising prices when you're as rich as David Tepper is, and the money he makes from Charlotte FC, from the Panthers, and from all the fucking concert he loves to put on at Bank of America Stadium that he has to raise prices. And you know, I will say this. I've looked at it, and I, I was reading an article on it. It sounds like for what I pay, for where I'm at, and the way up 500 sections I'm paying, I think it's 1% increase. But there should not be 0.1% increase. It should be negative fucking. It should be decreased <laughs> for how bad they were last year. Yeah, They should be paying people to go to the games because – Honestly, and I joked with my friends with this when they 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 put it out in the in the chat we got the group chat we got, and they're like, "Man, they're really screwing you guys over." And I, I, what I said was, "They're screwing opposing teams fans over because they're the ones that fucking fill the stadiums." Yeah. So I mean, they're they're forcing opposing team 
fans to pay more. Really, they really are because Carolina, we all know it. It's never really a home crowd. It never, it hasn't. It has not been that way the last couple seasons. And I don't know if I've ever experienced that yet of having like a legit home crowd since owning these tickets to be told. Cause I bought them during the Matt rule era when they were super cheap and there has not been a good season or any winning really whatsoever. So there hasn't been a lot of, you know, Panthers fans in those things, but there is no reason why these are being raised whatsoever. And the fan experience given at these games and the concession prices, it's all a crock of shit. It really is. For how much money that guy makes, the everything should be low and the state of this team should be low because he's a shit owner. But go ahead. I'll let you, I'll let you go. I'll get off. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot more to add. I, I'm not a season ticket holder and I won't be for a while uh, for re many reasons that you stated. But uh, you and I both went to the season opener this past year in Atlanta. And we experienced one of the best, best fan experiences I've ever experienced at any sporting event ever at the Atlanta Stadium. Giving out free beer uh, prior to the game in their little fan area that they have outside. Live music, cool setups everywhere, games outside, um, bars. I mean, just an extremely exciting pregame event. And then we get into the stadium and the hot dogs are $3 and the beers are $4. And the stadium is beautiful inside and out with screens all around and a big jumbotron in the middle and cool cool fan area like directly across from us from the stadium that looked like a like a a bar area that fans could go to um, and watch the game i mean for david tepper to be the second richest owner in the league behind the people that own walmart of the denver broncos and to have the con concession prices that he has and to have no fan experience outside of the game whatsoever uh, usually um I remember under uh, maybe no, I think it was Tepper's first year. They used to do things like on Mint Street outside. They haven't done that in a while, um, setting up any exciting things for fans to do prior to the game, uh, raising ticket prices after you come off the most disappointing season in their history of existence, in my opinion, is is astonishing. Um, it really is, and I don't understand the reasoning. I would love for David Tepper to provide an explanation as to why ticket prices are raising. Um, of course he won't because he doesn't answer for any of his mistakes. Uh, he's quote unquote behind the scenes now. And uh, yeah, he's, he's gets another pass for, for another thing that he's done. That's pissed off fans. And um, I feel for you, Curtis. Uh, I know you're a loyal fan. You're going to pay the tickets. You're going to go to the games. You go to every game. You went to every game last year. Um, besides when you had some family travel, um, you even went to the ones towards the end of the year. That was really hard to go to. And you, you, you pulled through and you went. So uh Kudos to you on that, and I think that in the future, those that's going to pay off for you. I, I really think it is. Uh, you know, Bryce Young is going to take us to where we want to go. Both of us believe that, and to suffer through these years, I think it will make it more enjoyable when we start winning. Unfortunately, we're going through some really hard times right now, uh, and um, and they're shitting on us even more by raising the ticket prices, which I'm going to have to pay too when I go to games. The tickets are going to be more expensive. I, you know, I buy them through third party vendors and those tickets are going to be higher because they're higher for the people that are selling them. So um, I'll feel it, feel the consequences of this as well. Uh, just not initially like you are. And um, it's just unacceptable in my opinion. And for all the reasons that you listed and for all the reasons that I've talked about, 
it really doesn't make sense. And uh, I would love to just hear from David Tepper why, but we all know that's not going to happen. What I thought was funny, me and you both are part of several um, ticket sale groups on Facebook, whatever you want to call them, pages. Our you know PSL owners are trying to sell tickets that they, they can't go to the games or whatever the case is. Um, and when this, I got an email this, I think it was this past weekend saying that like, th and this is how this came out, this ticket price increase. And it was basically your ticket renewal for the year. They send you an email. Hey, you, you can do payment option, pay it in full by this date, whatever. Click to see what your rates are, whatever, whatever. And when that email came out, I went on to those those Facebook groups we're a part of, and I I just laughed at how many people were selling their PSL tickets like for good, like to get rid of them when that email came out. And I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know if you've noticed that over the weekend, but I mean they just got, I mean they were I mean these were some nice seats too, like section 100, 300s, 200s. And then some people way up in the pickers and the 500s and stuff like that. But it was like, oh, yeah, they people don't want that. What, what? I mean, yeah, I don't know how you can ask someone to pay more when you put out such a shitty product on the field. It's just it's crazy to me. But they got people dumb enough like me to pay them and I'm still bitching about it. I'm still going to pay them. But it's just it's it's crazy. I, yeah. I, it's it's brutal but just t dovetailing off that a little bit because i wanted to mention this real quick because this came out tonight and then we'll get into cam newton we'll end on that is this report i don't know if you saw this this happened probably a couple hours ago kind of with facilities and stuff but carolina had has filed plans to build a up to a five thousand seat field house in uptown charlotte for training camp practices we all know they're moving training camp to charlotte i know a lot of South Carolina fans and listeners of ours probably hate this a lot. I've Bryce and I have both been to Spartanburg now the last couple of years. Loved it. I loved I loved them having it there. Didn't you know per se love the drive two and a half hours away. Um, so I don't mind it being in Charlotte because I only got to travel an hour, but. Um, we've kind of expected this. They kind of kind they kind of almost hinted at something like this happening um, with them moving it to Charlotte. Um, but I just wanted to throw this out there. And I, I, I know some people online were going back and forth about the 5,000 seat thing. Yeah. So most people know I'm originally from Wisconsin, grew up in the early days as a Packers fan. And I, they had recently within the past like 15 years built an outside practice facility for fans right across the street from Lambeau Field. And when they built it, initially you would stand, you would literally just stand along a fence and watch the practice. They ended up building like actual, like an outside, like mini, like bleacher bricks. I don't, you can't really call it a stadium, but it was very nice bleachers. And it, I just looked it up tonight because I was curious because I know pe some people online were complaining, oh, it's only 5,000 seats. I looked up there is that they built, and it's very nice, very well put together. They only allow 1,500 seats. And if you know Packers fans, they are very dedicated. They show up in droves. They sell out every single game. They show up. They're really good at traveling fans, 
we've seen it when fan when they played in Charlotte and they fill that but I I don't think 5000 is going to be a problem for Carolina cuz there ain't no way there's a th- I don't think there's a thousand fans in Spartanburg when they come yeah you know, yeah it's time. never it's it's never been more than I think probably 20, yeah 2500 in Spartanburg at any point I think they're towards that last I think the the whatever it is the fan day or whatever that they have yes that is different um, I'm not exc- I'm you're right I'm not I should bring that up like the back together I think they yeah, call it yeah. that there is probably a couple thousand I agree with that but like your every day like your Tuesday practice in Spartanburg yeah. it's never a thousand people sitting on that hill I, I maybe I'm wrong on that I'm just doing the eyeball test from what I've seen when I've went there. No, and I, I would say it's a couple hundred, but I think 5,000 would cover it across the board. And I think it'd be all right. And I, you might get an uptick more people because it's going to be in Charlotte, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be an issue. And I think people will be able to get in and it, it's going to be great. And I, I love this because this is another sign that this team is going nowhere right now. Like yeah. it's not going to move away. <laughs> I, it's, it's here to stay. They're going to build this probably at some point. I don't know if it's going to be in time for this upcoming season and how they're going to do it, but I don't mind this. I'm curious to see what happens with it. sounds like they might put some restaurants in as well. It doesn't sound like it's going to be like a 365 day a year. You can go anytime you want and go here, but it's going to be open on occasion and stuff like that. So it's exciting. I'm curious to see what they do with it. Let's just hope it doesn't turn out like Rock Hill. Yes, exactly. And I mean, we would, I think it's, is this, it, this upcoming season would have been the first year Rock Hill would have been open. Yeah. So crazy to think about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's end on Cam Newton because it can't be a Panther show without talking about this guy. Um, We've all seen the video by now. What are your thoughts on, I don't know what you want to characterize it as, a fight. I was struggling to figure out what I put for this little title at the bottom here. <laughs> fight, brawl, cam jumped, whatever you want to characterize. I guess it's really based off of your opinion on what happened. But what are your thoughts on the incident at the seven on seven tournament? Yeah, I think Cam Newton manhandled two grown men. Uh, I think that was pretty clear. Uh, he didn't even, his hat wasn't even touched. It didn't come off. Uh, and I think that really says a it's lot. It's a about, scratch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know why anyone in their right mind would want to fight a six-five, two hundred and fifty-pound quarterback who was trucking NFL linebackers uh, just a couple seasons ago. Uh, you got to be out of your damn mind to want to fight Cam Newton in any way. Uh, he is a physical specimen that would destroy pretty much ninety-nine percent of the world uh, in a fight. I don't think that's very. Uh, wrong to say at all uh he's a beast in every aspect of every physical trait that you could want in a human being uh i don't know i saw a little bit of that guy talking on a different podcast that he got into a a quote-unquote fight with and um sounds like there was some talking back and forth um to come to cam newton's event that he's put on for so many years in that community and done so much for that community with his seven versus seven uh, competition that he does with so many of these quarterbacks coming out nowadays that are coming to the NFL that participated in that program. Um, 
I think it just shows a sign of disrespect to, to Cam and what he means to that community in Atlanta and what he does for everyone um, in regards to, to what he puts on down there for that event. So um, Cam can talk as much shit as he wants to talk at his event. And Cam, we all know Cam is a shit talker. He did it on the field when he was in Carolina. He, that's just how he is. And he's just competitive. And to do that at his event is unacceptable. It's you, you got to respect the um, first respect him as a person. Second, respect what he did in his football career. And third, respect the event that he's putting on that are benefiting the children that want to be in the position that Cam Newton was at an MVP level in the NFL and the greatest dual threat quarterback in NFL history. So I, I thought Cam Newton held his own, obviously, um, like had two grown men in his hands and just whooped their ass. I mean, plain and simple. Uh, Cam, Cam, you, you couldn't, if, if Cam wanted to fight me, I mean, I would probably lay down and die. I mean, I, I don't know what I would do because he, he's just going to stop me. Like it, he's going to do that to 99% of the people that, he comes encounter with. So uh, I, I thought it was crazy. Uh, I think Cam Newton gets a bad rap already. And then things like this happen. And of course people are going to have certain connotations about it and um, it going to play into the misconceptions that people have about Cam Newton. So that sucks for him. But uh, you know, us in Carolina know the kind of person that he is, the, the stuff he did for this community and still does for this community in Charlotte uh, and in the Carolinas, the kind of person that he is uh, in charitable work, uh, the things that he did with the fans here, I mean, it speaks for itself. He is a, a great human that uh, does a lot of great things, and to do this at one of his events is unacceptable, and uh, hopefully that guy's never allowed back. Yeah, it's it's aggravating to see. It really is. And I, I know the, the quote-unquote Cam Newton haters are going to use this and say, you know, this is reason 247 why this guy isn't playing in the NFL anymore or whatever you want to – uh, you know, describe it as, but he held his own. Um, didn't really fight back. I mean, he just literally held both guys back. I mean, he, I, from what I've seen from the video, I didn't see any swings from Cam Newton whatsoever. From what I care, I thought he was basically jumped from what I could see, um, by several individuals and. For him to be disrespected like that just pissed me off. It really did because this guy is taking the, his time out. He's got a family of his own. He's got kids. He's got things he can be doing. And he is, you know, dedicating his time and his money to help young kids out that are trying to strive and to be like him. And look up to him as, you know, a quote unquote idol and athlete and, you know, hope to be like him someday. Spends millions of dollars for these camps every year to get shit on by some adults who couldn't handle a little trash talk back and forth. Like we we know what Cam brings. We know that. We know that he's gonna talk trash. We know that some people are gonna talk trash back. But to, but to for it to get to this point is just an awful look. Um and on so many levels and i just hope people can sit back and realize you know what cam newton brings and what he's done for communities and for youth 
and take a step back and respect him for that. And this does not happen to anyone else. This is not, this doesn't happen to other QBs that put on camps. This does not happen to other wide receivers and any other athlete. You never see this happen. So, um, I thought it was bullshit. Total, totally on Cam Newton's side. I also saw that podcast interview, and I'm sure Cam was Cam was talking to. I'm sure I've seen I've seen stuff before, where and Cam's playful with it. He you know he he talks trash back, and that's that's kind of how he gets those guys pumped up sometimes too. So again, I don't like you said. I I don't knock him at all for what he did, how he responded. He defended himself. I sure as hell wouldn't be messing with him. He's a big ass dude and he's strong as hell and literally held those guys back. I mean, through that one guy with his backpack, I think to the ground. And like you said, I mean, there was not a scratch on his hat. Didn't lose his hat. Pretty badass on his part to keep, you know, to keep those guys back. Cause that could have been a whole different situation if he was smaller. So, um, yeah, I just hated it on a lot of levels and, Hopefully, you know, everyone can learn from this and grow from it because it's it's just bullshit. It really is. Um, but I think we're going to leave it there. Again, the combine is this weekend. Um, I know everyone's eyes are going to be on, you know, wide receivers and O-line and, you know, edge rushers and maybe another linebacker and cornerbacks and tight ends. I guess you can say – Pretty much everything but QBs. Um, but yeah, it should be a good week. Um, not sure when we'll be back, if we'll be back next week or the week after, but we'll keep you guys tuned in on online. And um, as we go forward here, I know we got free agency coming up um, in a couple weeks. That, you know, that starts, I think, on the 13th is when the league year begins. And that's where teams can start, you know, tampering and talking to some of these individuals. So those, you know, those things will pick back up and then we'll really start breaking down a lot more. Some of these college prospects and, you know, guys that we like going into the quote unquote, which I know it's already started in mock draft season already. People are on like two and three point oh mock drafts already. Which is For us, it's so hard because it's it's pick thirty three. It's you. That's why I don't like do. I like I've done a couple myself offline that I have not posted or anything just to play around with it. But it's you really can't do anything until after free agency. And really like the start of April to get a, like a really good gauge on where, you know, teams are headed. So, but I, I get it. It's fun. It's fun to just poke around and see what possibilities are out there, but we will stay in touch on that and we'll keep you guys updated. And uh, we just appreciate you tuning into the Panthers on tap podcast. You can catch our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on tap for all your analysis and breaking news. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. We still are giving away that jersey. We need to get 500 subscribers. I'm going to keep mentioning it, keep tweeting about it. We're at 386, I believe. So we're we're pretty uh, like 100 and so away. So hit that subscribe button. And as always, 